You've been in a series here called The Joy Project, I noticed, and I've watched the last three weeks of your messages. I've watched uh, uh, Travis's message and two of Dr. Bo uh, Pastor Bob's messages, and uh, it, it, it hit a note with me. I just, I feel like those guys have laid such a good foundation. I just, I'd like to build on that foundation this morning. What we do in the church is we equip uh, the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists, apostles and prophets. Their ministry in the Bible is to equip the saints so that you are equipped to do the work of ministry. In other words, you reach out to other people. So maybe this message is not related directly to you. I'm, I'm sure it will encourage you. But let it build you up so that when you leave here, you're ready to share the joy of the Lord with other people. Now, to start with, it's said that when a man says he understands women, he will lie about other things too. <laughs> I love my wife, and she is with me. We are one. And after 56 years of marriage, I can honestly say I want to know her. I don't understand her fully but I'm learning to understand her as time goes on. The Apostle Paul, he loved Jesus, and Jesus was with him, and they were one, and Paul received a tremendous amount of supernatural revelation from Jesus directly. Powerful stuff. But in Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, I want to know him. And I think that's always amazing, because if you've been in church much, you realize there's always more to know. There's always more to understand. There's always more to grasp about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. And no matter what's going on in our lives, and, and I see many, many lives here, and I'm sure there's challenges here, but no matter what's going on, Jesus wants us to experience what he calls a rich, abundant life, a full, rich, abundant life. The foundation of that life is made up of what I've got in my title this morning, made up of intimacy and love and joy. And joy, of course, is what you've been talking about the last few weeks. But intimacy means deep connection, a deep spiritual connection, a deep physical connection, a deep mental connection. That, that's what intimacy is, and it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. It grows, and it develops, and it intensifies. And uh, we should never Abandon the pursuit of intimacy. Never abandon it. With your friends, with your wife or husband, with your children, and with particularly with your Lord. Never abandon that pursuit because when we abandon that pursuit of intimacy, the relationship grows stale and dry and boring. It just doesn't have the energy anymore. So it's something we need to continue to do. And how, how we do that with the Lord, if I never spent any time with Nancy, how well would I get to know her? Not much. If we don't spend time with the Lord, we're not going to get to know him either. So time spent with him is, is essential. That, that time is in time of, in prayer and in reading the Word of God. I heard, and one of my friends said, uh, asked me if I read the Word. And I said, oh, yeah, I read the Word. He said, well, do you hear the voice of God? And I say, well, well 
not really, through the word I do, but not really. He said, I'll tell you how you hear the voice of God. Read the word out loud. Wow. And that was very profound. I said, yes, you're right. If you, if you read the word of God out loud and slowly, guess what? He will bring revelation to your life. He really will. It's it's been working for me for a long time. I think, wow, when I come across a passage of instruction from Peter or from Paul, I just love to read it to myself and hear the voice of God out loud. Now, love is, is of course, the um, foundation of intimacy. In 1 John 4, verse 16, it says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in him. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. We've heard it all over the time, many, many times, I'm sure. God is love. God God has love. God expresses love. God pours out love, but mainly he is love because love is his essence. And essence is defined this way. It's the basic, real, invariable nature of something. It's significant, individual feature, true substance, unchanging nature. That's what essence is. And love is God's essence. Essence is love. And love is the bedrock of who God is. It starts, all starts there. Colossians chapter 3. Above all, Paul says... Clothe yourselves with love. Clothe yourselves with love. Put it on. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In the New King James, it says that love is the bond of perfection. His love is in us. His love must show on the outside or it is not worth anything. Now, I have an orange here. I'm from Florida, so I use oranges. Every orange starts out as a small, hard green ball. Have you got a picture of it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, everyone, every orange starts out a little, little, not very tasty, would you imagine? It's hard, and it's bitter. And all the character, now listen, all the characteristics of the finished fruit is in that little green ball. It's all there. It's all in there. But it hasn't been developed yet, right? And it develops by drawing life from the root of the tree, from the trunk of the tree, and from the branch which bears the fruit. The branch holds the fruit. So that's the way the orange develops. We start the same way, having been given Everything we need for life and godliness, but when I was born again, I was still a little hard green ball. I wasn't very tasty yet. I hadn't really developed much of the fruit yet. And so we need, when we're born again, we, we are rooted in Christ. That's where our roots are. We're rooted in him, and we draw his life through the trunk, through the branch, and we become like him more and more all the time drawing his life. And what we do, we produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's the production of our lives. That's what we bear on our, on our life branches. And every believer has the undeveloped spirit 
the undeveloped fruit of the Spirit in your life. Every single believer does. And that, like I said, it contains all the characteristics of the finished product. Next mentioned characteristic when we read about the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Our goal in Christ should be the full expression of joy because the rest, the rest of the fruit of the Spirit depends on the joy. It starts there. We might say that joy is the juice of the Spirit because every part of the inside of this orange is saturated with juice. And so joy might be called that juice, and the juice infuses the whole fruit. And when you meet someone who's developed the mature fruit of the Spirit in their lives, <laughs> you sense God's love and joy. You just sense it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever met somebody and you say, whoa, this person, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling something. When you, when you squeeze the fruit, <clears throat> when you squeeze the fruit, here's what you get. You get peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. There's no law against these things, the Bible says. And I want, I want us to understand, there's only one fruit of the Spirit. One fruit, and it is made up of all those characteristics. The word in the Bible is a singular word. So, love is the essence of God. I think I, I, think I have that. Yeah, love is the essence of God. And fruit, or joy, demonstrates the presence of God. Joy comes from his presence. Love comes from his essence. So if we're, if we're infused with love and joy, it's going to rub off on everybody you meet. Let me say that again. If you're infused with God's love and joy, it's going to rub off on people you meet. It will. Have you ever hugged somebody who's put on too much perfume? You go away smelling like them. Have you ever been around somebody who's joyful and upbeat, always ready, always feeling good? What happens? You begin to, your spirits begin to lift, don't they? they you, you, it rubs off on you a little bit. And have you ever been around somebody who's bitter and angry and complaining? Guess what? It'll rub off on you too. So here's a spiritual truth. We will transfer to others either the fragrance of life or the fragrance of death. We will. We do. I've got friends who do nothing but complain about the government, complain about the economy, complain about this, complain about that. And guess what? I'm tempted to join in. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Yeah, you're tempted to join in. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's pretty bad. Uh-oh, watch out. Their bitterness, their anger is rubbing off on you. Be careful. Be careful. Don't, don't let it. And they'll say, well, this, this, this country's a real mess. Yeah, well, I'm part of the kingdom of God. And my kingdom cannot be shaken. And I'm not going to join in all of the uh, undercurrent that's going on. That was a little side note just for you. Here's what King David wrote in Psalm 1611. He said, you, God, will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. Joy comes from the presence of God. Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, she was pregnant with Jesus, and she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. In Luke 141, it says this, At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. How many of you ladies have been pregnant, and you, feel, you can feel your child leap within you from time to time? Yeah. I don't know what that's like, but hey, they tell me it's pretty amazing. But Mary's, Elizabeth's child re leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John leaped for joy inside Elizabeth's womb because he sensed the presence of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? The, the moment John the Baptist in the womb sensed Jesus, he jumped for joy. And you don't have to watch much news to realize the entire earth is in a great time of upheaval right now. People running wild. It's, 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 it's craziness. It's running wild physically and financially and politically and morally and religiously and militarily. It's just evil men growing worse and worse. Didn't, didn't the Bible talk about that? These are the end times, folks. We can look at it and say, yes, I see God's prophecy being fulfilled. People are running wild because they have no fear of God, because they have no vision of God. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Now, that means a vision of God. Now, Jesus promised we'd have trouble in this world. That's one of his promises we don't like to talk about. But he did promise we'd have trouble in this world. But then he said, take heart, do not fear, because what? I have overcome the world. And if I am in Christ, guess what? I have overcome the world. It's a powerful thing. If we lose heart and become fearful, that's an indication that we don't really have the fullness of the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We're paying too much attention to the devil's handiwork. Too much of lying, stealing, killing, destroying. That's going on all around us. And we should not be paying too much attention to that. We need to pay, be paying more attention to the presence of Jesus Christ within us. Now let's go back to the night before the crucifixion of Jesus. He's in the upper room with his apostles. Soon he's going to be going to Gethsemane to pray. Then he's going to be arrested, tried and convicted of a crime he didn't commit. They'll, they'll laugh at him. They'll put a crown of thorns on his head. They'll mock him. They'll slap him, pull out his beard, spit on him, whip him mercilessly. And after that, he'll be nailed to a cross and he will die. He knows this is going to happen to him. He's aware of the, his immediate future. And to us, that would not be a time to celebrate if we know that's going to happen to us. But here's what he says in John 15. That at that time, when he knew all this was going to happen to him, if you remain in me, that means if you're aware of my presence, if you're in my presence, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. 
producing fruit in your life, producing fruit in your spirit, that peace, that joy that comes about. And he goes on in the same passage. He says to his disciples, he said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Sidelight, pause. I often ask people the question, who does God love more, you or Jesus? And a lot of people say, well, he can't love me the way I behave sometimes. Well, guess what? He loves you exactly the same as he loves Jesus. Jesus said it, and the apostles said it. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things. Now watch this. So you will be filled with my joy. You'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy, then, since it's my joy, will overflow. I, I want to be filled with Jesus' joy. Because he faced these unimaginable issues of his life that was going to take his life completely, and he was joyful. He had the presence of his father. He knew he was in good hands. And so on this last night of his life, Jesus talks about love. He talks about joy. And the next day, he experiences all we just talked about and dies for the sins of the world and, and dies for us. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. He, Jesus, was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy. Because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Now he is seated at the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. And I believe the joy that Jesus was looking forward to was to be in the Father's presence for eternity. Church, we can have the same joy. No matter what's going on in our lives, we have that joy, that hope to look forward to. And you've already heard this from, from other leaders in your church. Joy doesn't mean happiness, right? Joy doesn't mean happiness. Joy means we have the intimate presence of God no matter what's going on in our lives. The word joy appears 330 sometimes in the Bible. Happiness about 25 times. Joy means that no matter what happens, we have God holding us tightly, knowing he won't let go. Joy helps us see through his eyes, feel through his emotions, hear with his ears, and we can be assured that he is faithful to look out for us. The Bible says, if God's for me, what can anybody do to me? All they can do is kill his body, then I'm with him. God's on my side. Who can be against us? Powerful stuff. And as the world gets darker, there's more need for God's people to shine brighter. Didn't Jesus say we were the light of the world? There's more need here for, for you and me to shine brighter out there. Not to, not to commiserate about the darkness, but to shine brighter. And when you're intimate in the love and the presence of God, your face lights up. Well, not literally. I mean, you don't start glowing, but, you know, your face does light up. Moses came down off the mountain. His face glowed because he had been in the presence of God. Stephen was being stoned for telling the truth. 
His face shone like an angel's while he was being stoned. So, church, there's real joy in the kingdom. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You and I are, are to be carriers of this joy. We're to take it wherever we go. 1 Peter 1, 8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him, you trust him. And even now, you are happy with a glorious, inexpressible joy. We've never seen Jesus physically face to face. But we can be filled with his joy, no matter what. And I want to share with you, there's a chain of three powerful links between joy and strength and the fulfillment of God's plan. First scripture we read earlier, Psalm 1611 says, you, God, will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. How much joy? Full, full joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When I'm in your presence, I find life a pleasure. And boys, I'll tell you what, if you've been through some stuff like Ken has, you know that life doesn't always a pleasure. Not always happy, but it can be joyful. It can be joyful. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, the next step. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. That joy is your strength. And then in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 12, Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. <laughs> I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He's been way up here, and he's been way down there. He said, I know how to live in both places because of the joy. I've turned, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. His presence gives us joy. His joy gives us strength. And with that strength, we can do anything he calls us to do. Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. Now, Nancy, would you give me my little thing there? Notice it's a wine glass, but it's not full of wine. In fact, it's empty, right? There's nothing, nothing in this glass. And you look at that glass and say, well, that's, that's not much use. Got nothing in it. But there is something in this glass. There is something hidden in this glass, just as there's something hidden in us. There's something hidden here. Now I have to do something. Just give me one second. Don't let it fall. I have to get some living water. First of all, here. then here. There's something hidden in the glass. Now, joy is like the hidden song in the glass. Can't see it on the outside. But with the touch 
with the touch of Jesus, with the presence of Jesus, the joy comes out. And other people hear it. Other people see it. Other people are aware there's something in you that they don't have if they're not born again. There's something in you that they don't have. But we have to let the touch of Jesus bring it out of our lives. I want to talk a little bit about the most joyful day in all of human history. The most joyful day in all of human history. It was the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2. And we know the story, if you've been around church much. The Holy Spirit came from heaven with a mighty wind and fire. And for those believers, those disciples of Jesus who were waiting in the upper room, those 20, 120 of them, the Holy Spirit filled every single believer in that room with the presence of Almighty God. That's why I think it's the most joyful day in history, because the Holy Spirit came to fill everyone with the presence of God. And they became joyful. When that happened, they spilled out into the streets. And they began to testify to a crowd of thousands that had come running because they heard the noise of the wind. They came running, and, and they went running out into the streets, and they began to preach about the joy of Jesus and the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus for salvation in all kinds of different languages that everybody could understand. So nobody missed out on the message. They all heard the message. And then Peter got up and preached a message that caused 3,000 people on that day to put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord. Church, that's what real joy will do. It will touch a multitude of people. It will cause them to be drawn to Christ, drawn to the Father. And then they asked after his sermon, they asked, well, what are we going to, what do we do? What do we do with this message? And here's what Peter said in Acts 2, verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God. In other words, turn away from your sin and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift that you receive when you are born again. You receive the entire Holy Spirit. You receive all of him. Nothing left to get. And this promise is to you, the ones who are listening to Peter. The promise is to you and your children, to those far away. We are those far away in this room today. It promises for us. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. You have to be out of here by two, right? <laughs> Peter continued preaching for a long time, and I'm not going to. But if you've been born again today, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the presence of God in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
He is in us with all of his gifts, his power, his glory. Sometimes I think we forget that. We forget. In fact, as I was driving here today on, was it 151 out there, whatever the number of the road is, I just, I just began to pray, and I began to sense the love of God. I can't even explain it, but I just really began to sense the fullness of his love. And, I, and I'm realizing, Lord, you have put yourself in me. You have put yourself in me. You can all, if you're born again today, you can all say the same thing. You have the very presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that a lot of times in Scripture, we read that the apostles and the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit even after they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says many times they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are examples, I believe, of how we can overcome life's challenges. And as I began to look into this in Scripture, I found, wow, this is, this is amazing. Stephen, I talked about him earlier. He was severely persecuted for his testimony about Jesus and was about to be stoned to death. And it says in Acts 7, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Stephen's a believer. He's already received the Holy Spirit. But now he's full of the Holy Spirit. Gazed steadily into heaven, saw the glory of God, saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. What joy. I'm being stoned to death, but whoa, I see heaven. I see Jesus at the Father's right hand. Whoa. Church, that's where we are in Christ. We're seated at the right hand of God in Christ right now. We can see that with our spiritual vision. Another example, Peter was in jail for what they call Jesus heresy. Talking about Jesus, accused by the religious leaders. And he was on trial. And then... Acts 4, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, he'd already received the gift, but now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers and people and elders of Israel. And then he went on, he testified about Jesus' power to heal. He talked about Jesus' power to save. Talked about salvation to these religious leaders who hated him. Who, he was on trial. But he, had the, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and had that power to speak out. A large angry mob ran Paul and Barnabas out of town once. And their response was this in Acts 13, 52. The disciples were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. They ran us out of town. They hated us. They're chasing us. But we're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And there were believers in the, all through the New Testament. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the mighty power of God. In the... Um, and they did great things for the kingdom of God. They survived beatings and they survived stonings and shipwreck and natural hardships because they were filled with the Spirit. Nobody wanted to hear about it. Now this morning, you might feel like you're not giants like Paul and Peter. But you all, if you're born again today, you all have the same Holy Spirit. You are like Stephen. He was just a regular guy. A believer. You can stand up filled with love and joy 
God's essence and God's presence in the face of accusation, of persecution, of sickness, of loss, of fear, and all the other things this world throws at you, and all the other things the flesh wants to do that you know are not in Christ. You can stand up filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're full, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, but when you need a fullness, church, it'll be there if you have faith. It'll be there. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to respond to this message about the joy and the, and the filling of the Spirit if you really want to experience that. Now, here's what happened in, 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 to Saul. Remember, Saul became, he was a persecutor of the church, and he became a great, great leader. Saul was blinded, went into a town, Damascus. God spoke to a man named Ananias, said, I want you to go to Saul and lay hands on him so that he will be saved, so he'll be able to see, so he will receive the Holy Spirit. And so Ananias went to Saul, laid hands on him, and the Bible says that he was relieved of his blindness. He no longer was blind. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. And then, of course, he became Paul, the great apostle, and he went out and did great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. So what I'm going to ask God to do this morning is to fill you with the Holy Spirit, not to speak in tongues, not to do anything weird or strange, not at all, but to be filled, to be filled. If you're facing something in your life today, and you just need to, to experience that fullness of the Spirit that will help you face this challenge and face whatever you're facing. 